Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first episode of the Mirrigan Unmanned Systems Podcast, Drones for Good. My name's Andrew Crow. I'm the Business Development and Projects Director for Mirrigan Unmanned Systems, and I'm going to be your host for this podcast as we uh, move forward. Today's uh, the first podcast we've done, uh, and rightly so. I've got along our uh, Mirrigan Unmanned Systems uh, founder and, and managing director, Rob Sutton. Um, Rob's background is is in defence and he's had a huge amount of experience with unmanned systems across various projects uh, across defence, primarily Army. So today we're going to talk um, talk broadly about a few things. We're going to talk about who is Rob, we're going to talk about who, who am I, what are our backgrounds, what's Mirrigan Unmanned Systems looking to do What's the point of this podcast? Why, why are we doing it? What uh, Briefly, we'll talk about what problems we sort of see that Mirrigan is, tr- is seeking to address uh, across the industry. Um, and also, I'm going to ask Rob some questions around what he sees as the top issues within the unmanned systems industry. Um, what can we work on as an industry? What can we work on together? What can we collaborate on to, uh, to see better outcomes for our clients? Hopefully you enjoy the podcast. If you've got any uh, ideas or thoughts or feedback, please uh, send them through to me um, and we'd love to incorporate those into the future. Enjoy. All right, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mirrigan Unmanned Systems podcast, Drones for Good, uh, which makes up part of our Mirrigan education collection. Uh, my name's Andrew Crow. I'm the Business Development and Projects Director for Mirrigan, uh, and today I've got with me here uh, Rob Sutton, and I'll introduce Rob in a second. Um, but welcome to our podcast first. Um, we're, this is the first podcast that we're releasing, the first episode in a series of episodes. Uh, the podcast is designed to um, help with education uh, across the industry. It's designed to get out the good word of what people are doing. It's designed to highlight, highlight some of the wins uh, across the industry and just get people talking. Um, we're going to be talking to a bunch of people. We're going to be talking to suppliers. We're going to talk to customers. We're going to talk to enabling organisations. And to be honest, we're going to talk to anyone else that's of interest um, within uh, the unmanned systems industry. As I said, we've got Rob Sutton here today. G'day, Rob. How are you? Hey, Andrew. How are you? Very, very well. I'm really excited to uh, to kick this thing off. So um, before we start today, I'm going to get Rob to introduce himself. Rob's uh, got a fairly significant pedigree coming from um, Defence, and, and Rob's going to give us a bit of background. So Rob, over to you. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so in terms of my personal story, I, um, I was born in South Africa, and I moved to Australia with my parents um, when I was 10, and was lucky enough to uh, obviously attend school here. And as I, as I was growing up, I felt an obligation, a duty to give something back to the country that had adopted me and given me so much. And um, I felt a way of doing that was to join the army. Um, so I joined, uh, I joined as an engineer and um, I served uh, across a number of uh, the ADF's uh, helicopter units. I served with the, the Chinook, uh, the Kiowa uh, and the, the Tiger aircraft. Uh, in a number of different engineering and maintenance roles. And as part of that, I was lucky enough to spend two years at 20 STO Regiment, who are the Army's premier drone unit, uh, as the senior maintenance manager. And um, whilst I was there, I saw the huge potential of of drones, uh, but it was also really evident that there wasn't much happening outside the military space. And uh, shortly after, um, my wife and I discovered that we were pregnant, which was fantastic news, and I moved across into the defence industry uh, so I could spend more time with my family. And... While I was there, I kept an eye on the industry, I kept an eye on the developments in the, in the drone world. Um, I was lucky enough to move uh, into KPMG as part of their asset management uh, consultancy, um, working back to defence. And um, 
as, as part of that role, got a real sense of what defence was doing in the, in the unmanned space across a number of different, um, different environments, um, but also got the opportunity to watch, watch what was happening in the industry. And uh, I got an opportunity to, to, to make something, to, to make a difference. I, I, there was an opportunity for me to start my own, my own company focusing on unmanned systems, which I took. Um, I was lucky enough to to have a, a lot of runway with that that opportunity, which was fantastic, and uh, it's enabled me to build out uh, a business focusing on drones and focusing on the the impact that drones can make in people's lives. So the real intersection of um, of technology, which is something that I've been really passionate about my whole life, uh, and also making a difference. So hence, drones for good, um, using drones to make a difference, and and the focus. For us is on defense and emergency services uh, because of the aspect within both defense and, and services like um, the police and the, the fireys where drones are really about removing people from unnecessary risk. So um, why, why send somebody into a dangerous situation? Why send them into a situation where they can be shot at? Why send them into a situation where they can be blown up, burned? Uh, you know all of those circumstances when you can send a drone it just to me doesn't make any sense at all and um, it, it, in fact in some ways it's it's almost irresponsible to send people into those circumstances when there's a technology like this available so I think it's hugely powerful and for me the thing that really really motivates me is the opportunity to to take people away from those unnecessary risks and I've heard you say before um, it's all about protecting those that protect us yeah exactly you know growing growing up through the army uh, a lot of my friends got sent overseas, uh, got put in situations where they, where they were shot at, where they were blown up, where they were, you know, in helicopters that that um, that had accidents. And I often think that, you know, drones allow those risks to be diminished. And if I was still in, then it might help save my life. It might help save the lives of my friends. It might help save the lives of my children or people that I love if they choose to go into the military or into emergency services. So, so it's a big deal. And I think that um, this links back pretty quickly and pretty easily to the name of this podcast, Drones for Good. It's all about drones in, in positive situations that um, keep people safe. Um, drones for Good is, is, uh, makes, makes a lot of sense in this case. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Well, look, I might... Um, jump in for a second and, and kind of give my brief background as well. Um, similar to Rob, funnily enough, um, I spent my time uh, in the Army. Uh, and different to Rob, I was born in uh, born in Sydney, joined the Army straight out of school. Um, some would say there was no other option for me. Um, I don't necessarily agree, um, but I, uh, I jumped in and went down to the college, to the Royal Military College, and um, started my career. At the end of the college, I uh, wanted to go straight into the RAA, the Royal Australian Artillery, um, where during my initial training was asked whether I wanted to move into, at the time, 131 Surveillance and Target Acquisition Battery to become 20 Surveillance and Target Acquisition Regiment in the future um, as one of the first UAV troop commanders to be then renamed UAS troop commanders in the future. Um, so I was really lucky to be picked up as, as sort of one of one of four, one of five um, junior lieutenants to really progress this capability forward. Um, from there, we did some training on our Skylark UAS. We sent some guys across into Iraq to make a pretty big difference in that case. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to do a bit of training in the States with in situ on the Scan Eagle UAV uh, and then be the first UAV troop commander deployed into Afghanistan in support of Australian and coalition troops. Um, spent the majority of my time in defence, 
about three and a half years ago, uh, decided to, to move out of defence to focus on my family, um, similar to what Rob said, um, but never really moved too far away from our drones. I spent three years in professional services consulting, which I really enjoyed, and then Rob gave me the opportunity to come on board with him as part of Mirrigan uh, and get involved with, with what we're doing now. So that's my background. Um, the next question I'm going to ask of Rob is uh, to tell us about Mirrigan Unmanned Systems. What's it all about? What's it trying to do? So the very short version is we, we help people implement their drone programs. So um, we sit on the customer side, we help them understand what are some possible applications to use drones within their organisations um, to help save lives. Um, you know, obviously some ancillary benefits are things like uh, reduced costs and increased capability. Uh, and um, you know, the drones can, can have a lot of very strong benefits for an organisation. So we help them go through the process of understanding what they can do uh, and, and how it will benefit them. Uh, and then, then once we've understood all of the possible applications, then we help them understand really what, for each of those applications, what the, what the problem is, what the context is. And for us, that's really what it's all about is if we help the, under, the customer understand what the context is of what they're trying to do, then it's going to make everything else so much easier. If, if you understand the problem and you really fall in love with the problem and you understand the outcome and the context, then that means that it's much easier to design a solution. You get the right technology for your needs. Uh, you're, not, you're not wasting money. You're not spending a lot of time uh, and, and effort trying to make something work that was never going to work. Uh, or you're not running the risk of, of a failed project. So really for us, it's about helping the customer understand their problem, um, then taking them through the process of designing out the solution. Uh, and, and one of the key things that we say to our clients is it's not about the air vehicle. So you know, we think that's the first thing we see, it's very exciting, it's shiny, um, but it's not about the air vehicle. That's, that's the thing that carries a payload. Uh, the payload, again, is, is something that interacts with the environment, collects data or generates some kind of, a, of an effect. But um, at the end of the day, that's, that's really not what it's, it's about. It's about what is the problem that you're trying to solve and how is that system solving your problem. And so when, and I'm sure you've come across this before, when clients don't focus on their problem, when they focus on the air vehicle, they focus on the payload, what outcomes do we get? What, what do we see when people aren't focusing on the problem? I guess the very first one is they don't understand the, the value of the, the technology because they see well, okay, we've got to buy a drone, it's going to cost this much money, you know, what's in it for me? Um, and what they don't, what they don't see is, is all of the benefits that drones can bring. So they, they haven't done that, that value analysis because they don't understand the problem that they're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, if um, you're an energy company and you had um, some power lines and the power lines were being expected by... Um, two people who were going up to the top of the power lines in a cherry picker, for instance. Now, th those guys are exposed to risk of electrocution. They're exposed to the risk of falling from, from that cherry picker because it's heights. Um, so those are very big risks that um, if you understand the problem that you're trying to solve, they become really clear. And then, then the answer to that problem, which is to apply drones perhaps to do those inspections instead, um, becomes almost a no-brainer. You know, you're taking those two people out of the, the risk of harm and, and the cost of the, the drone pales into insignificance compared to the cost of the, the, the workplace accident that, that the company might be exposed to in those two cases. 
And I think in those cases, you know, and what I've sort of discussed with people is we're not we're not removing people from organisations by replacing them with drones. We're not replacing the people. We're replacing the person in the task. The person yeah. becomes potentially re-rolled in a different role with you know new technologies, innovation. Um, and and so in fact. Um the name unmanned systems is often a bit of a misnomer because sometimes it can take more people to run the the capability than than you would have done otherwise. But you're taking those people that were doing those tasks away from risk of harm, and and that is a huge that is a huge win. You know, both you and I have spoken about how important family is to us. Mm. Um, for for those organisations, those people get to go home to their families at the end of the day. They're not they're not you know in hospital or worse. Mm, absolutely, and so. You've sort of spoken there, I guess, about uh, about Mirrigan and what we're doing. So, what what problem is Mirrigan trying to seek to to fix? You know, what what are, what are we trying to do as an organisation? Um, so, I guess I'll answer your question in a second, Andrew. So, um, the the first thing that I wanted to touch on is where the where I think the industry is going, mm-hmm. and I think um, what what's happened so far is. Um, there's been a huge growth in the hobby market. So we've seen brands like DJI and Parrot and, and um, those kind of companies come up and... Um, Very affordable technology for yeah, recreational exactly. users. You know, yeah. for, for $500, you get something that just, you know, was, was unthinkable and a ton 10 of fun. years ago. And, and, and a heap of fun, you know, <laughs> fly around your backyard or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, really, really fantastic technology, um, really relatively cheap, you know, certainly compared to the... the $400 an hour or whatever it costs to, to fly a helicopter. Mm. Um, you know, you can buy a drone that you can operate for, for hundreds of hours for the same amount of money now. Um, so I think it, the industry as a whole has has seen what's happening in the hobby market and and there's been a big growth in applications of that technology in, into industry. Mm-hmm. So. You're seeing companies spring up that do aerial photography, for instance, um, you know, applications like um, Surf Lifesaving, where they're flying DJI Phantoms uh, coloured in the Surf Lifesaving colours, you know, up and down the beaches, and using technology that is freely available on the on the hobby market. And and I think in some ways the industry has got to the point where that's well known, that's well established, mm. and people kind of know what to do uh, in in that space, and it's relatively simple and straightforward. The next big nut to crack in a sense is um, what's called beyond visual line of sight. So, so that just means that you are operating the drone over long distances where you can't actually see it. And, and from a regulation perspective that, that imposes a whole range of different risks. Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers but I think it's, it's only a dozen or so companies in Australia that are actually able to do beyond visual line of sight flying. Uh, and that's because of the risk to other aircraft that might be flying around. Um, or the risk to uh, people on the ground when you when you're not seeing what the air vehicle can do. If you lose control, you know where does it land? What does it do when it lands? Um, so in order to get beyond visual line of sight uh, accreditation, there's a whole bunch of stuff you need to do. But you'd say, well, why? Why is beyond visual line of sight important? And and the answer is because it unlocks a whole swathe of applications that you can't do with line of sight stuff. So if you're a mining organisation, you could do, for instance, um, um, uh, rig-to-shore logistics using a drone. So you could be carrying in a drone um, urgent spare parts or urgent medical supplies that are going out to an offshore rig. 
uh, and then flying back to the city. Or uh, if you are a, an agribusiness, you might want to be, instead of looking at a paddock, you might want to be looking at hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of acres. And um, in order to do that, you need drones that have much better capability. And you don't want to be in a position where the, the people that you're employing to do this work have to stand there and see the drone. And watch the drone, yeah. Because, because then, you know, how many people do you need to, to cover that? Um, other technologies, like in the defence and emergency services space for search and rescue. You know, if, you've, if you've got, particularly after disaster events, you've got huge areas to cover um, and um, you can't do that if you have to see, see the drone all the time. So if, you, if you're able to unlock that beyond visual line of sight space, then you've got all of these applications that, that can come up. And um, so I think that's where the industry's going. And, and so I think why do you think BV loss is so difficult? Why can't we all just get out and do BV loss? Because, because of the risk. Mm -hmm. So um, the risk to other airspace users and the risk to, to ground users. So um, when you're doing beyond visual on a site, you're, you're flying for longer, so the, so the aircraft are bigger. Um, you may be starting to talk fuel engines now instead of batteries. And um, you know, the impact of having a, a 1.5 kilogram drone flying into you is, is not great. You know, it, it would hurt, it might put you in hospital, it might give you a serious injury. Um, the impact of a 1500 kilo drone flying into you is catastrophic. Hmm. Um, it, it may kill you, it may kill the people around you. May uh, kill multiple people. May, yeah, yep. Exactly. And, and similarly, the impact of a, of a small drone flying into an aircraft um, not great. Um, it's happened several times in the US, for instance, a, a Phantom 4 flying into a Blackhawk helicopter. Um, definitely scared the pilots and put a ding in the blades, and that was about the impact. Um, but a again, a 1,500 kilo drone flying into a Blackhawk, and, and that's, that's, that's a, serious, a bad day. That's a very bad day for, for yeah. everybody involved. Yeah. Um, so beyond visual line of sight is more risky. Hmm. And because it's more risky, you've got to have in place more mitigations. Mm -hmm. So you've got to do more stuff to yep. address the risk. And doing more stuff means you've got to have bigger, more expensive air vehicles, perhaps, um, that are more reliable. Um, you've got to have better internal processes. Your people have to be trained to a different standard, etc., etc., etc. So so the costs and the 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 possible liabilities that come out of it are higher, and so you need to build a system that that is addressing those risks. Um, and that's not as easy now as going down to JB Hi-Fi and buying a Phantom Four, doing doing a three-day repel. Um, now you're talking some some reasonable investments. Certainly not as as much as you know a manned aircraft, um, but um, it's still reasonable investments to try and try and get it off the ground. So. Um, I think getting back to your question, which is what do I see the top issues being? The first mm. question is is that I don't think industry as a whole understands all the possibilities that drones have to make a difference in their industry. So I think they're still the the mindset tends to be focused now on the Phantom Fours with the camera, and they're not thinking about this really wide range of applications that that uh, is possible for them. And then the second piece is just the understanding that um, if you're going to do this, you need to do it properly. You need to firstly have management buy-in. That that's critical. If you don't have, you know, if it's not in alignment with your strategy and haven't resourced this properly, it's not going to work. Um, but you need to consider all of the factors. You know, what is the design of the, what is the problem? Firstly, mm -hmm. um, what is the design of the physical system that answers the problem? But then, what are what are all of the enablers that sit around that? So, maintenance, engineering, supply system, 
uh, legal, um, your operation system, you know, how are you managing risk? How are you, how are you controlling the, um, the currency of your, um, your operators? You know, all of, all of those kind of pieces, which, you know, for you as, a, as, an, as an army operator, is kind of second nature, but for a construction company, this is all, this is totally foreign. Now you've done some work around this stuff already, though, and, and uh, there's something that some people already know about. Um, there's some there's some stuff that Mirrigan's developed. Why don't you talk about the Mirrigan Cog briefly, um, and maybe just introduce that to our listeners, and maybe we can do a whole episode on it later on. Yeah, maybe. Um, so the the Cog is obviously difficult to to kind when of you haven't got a talk in front about. of you, um, but it, it comes back to the, the center of the Cog is the problem. So the center of everything that you do is the problem. Understand the problem. Understand what the context is. Because uh, if you understand that, then everything else makes sense. Then the the inner piece of the cog is the physical system. So it's the things that you need to make the system work. And it's the things like the air vehicle, the payload, uh, the data analysis software, the um, the ground control station, you know, the, the whatever you're using to control the drone. Um, but then also the, the people that are involved in that process. And the people being the people operating the drone, people analyzing the data uh, and um, and the people making the decisions because it's the decisions that help solve the problem mm-hmm. it's not the air vehicle and it's not the payload and it's not even the data that's created it's the insights from the data and the decisions that they feed that matter um, and then um, then on the outside is all of the enabling systems so like like an iceberg like a helicopter like you know any any one of these kind of capabilities is if you're not sustaining it, and if you don't have all of the support structures in place, then it's going to fail. Um, and so in the COG, we've got eight gears, and each of the eight gears are part of the enabling system. So operations, workforce, um, finance, legal, um, engineering, maintenance, supply chain, and facilities. Uh, and obviously, there's a whole discussion around each of those pieces. Mm. But um, you need to have all of those pieces in place to make sure that you've got something which is which is safe, which is fit for purpose, and which is going to, which is going to keep working in the long run. And and really, that's that's what we're helping companies to build, is exactly that: an internal capability that does this stuff at scale, that keeps their people safe, that is that is safe itself, is not causing additional risks, that is fit for the problem that it's trying to solve, and that will keep solving that problem throughout its life. And our listeners can head across to our website um, to get a good look at, at the Mirrigan Cog. Um, it's available at mirrigan.com.au and Rob's written about it in the past in a blog post too and explained all those different aspects of the Cog too. So if you don't know what we're talking about, get across to the website, have a bit of a bit of a look at it. Um, so again, just coming back to your, your question, Andrew, the, the, the answer to those two problems, so understanding the applications and understanding that it's more complicated perhaps than than you know, the simple JB Hi-Fi, JB Hi-Fi drone is education. And, and I think this kind of loops back to, you know, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. What is the point of the podcast? What is the point of the Mirrigan Education Collection? Uh, it's to help educate industry about what is possible. It's to help in- educate industry about uh, the things that they need to consider when they're seeking to implement a drone program. And, um, and also, as part of that, is to help help them understand who's who in the Australian drone ecosystem. So, who can do what, um, how they can do it, and and how they can be accessed. And really, what what I'm hoping that that we can do with this podcast is to get people's stories out there, 
to help educate potential customers, not obviously just for us, but also for the broader um, the broader UAS industry in Australia. Because if we if we can collaborate and engage together, then we can grow together. And as as we sort of mentioned earlier, we've we've got a bunch of um, future guests that are around suppliers and customers and enabling organisations and just people that are doing interesting stuff in the in the drone ecosystem. So I'm excited. I'm excited to um, to get in there and, and speak to some of these people. And there's a lot of really really amazing stories. Mm, and, absolutely. Um, you know, and every time we speak to to anybody that's involved in the industry, it's it's just amazing how how much there is out there, how much we're doing in Australia, how much capability we've got to, to really make a difference, not just here, but globally. Absolutely. Look, I think uh, we may look at wrapping it up there, Rob. We're, uh, we're running, running out of time. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to episode one of the Mirrigan Unmanned Systems podcast, Drones for Good. Um, you can catch us and, and all of our details um, at the Mirrigan website, mirrigan.com.au. But Rob, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to reach out and say good day. Uh, I'm uh, very prevalent on LinkedIn, so just uh, look us up at uh, either as Merrigan or Rob Sutton um, or uh, flick us an email through the website. Perfect. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Andrew Crow. You can find me um, on LinkedIn or now you can find me as a podcast host. Um, love to talk to you more. Look forward to future episodes. Take care.